Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 169 of The Sco Show, proudly a part of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network and brought to you by the great folks, the wonderful folks at SB Nation. My name is Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for today, Thursday, January 28th, 2021, and got a loaded show to get to. We're going to do film observations from day two of the 2021 Reese's Senior Bowl. We're going to talk... Uh, two wide receivers and have a flashback to a conversation perhaps from not so long ago. We're going to talk some pass catching running backs that caught my eye. We're also going to start off with quarterbacks because, yeah, you know why. Before we do that, your usual cavalcade of reminders. Please do follow along with the hijinks on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Check out the work. Uh, Matt Waldman's rookie scouting portfolio. Three SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, right here at Pat's Pulpit. And, of course, Touchdown Wire, part of the USA Today network. Um, Red and film observation pieces, starting some draft stuff. We'll probably have uh, winners for Mobile uh, later this week. And then, of course, next week, Doug Farrar and I, we will have the Super Bowl covered for you, head to toe. Um, before we get into Senior Bowl stuff and film observations, I think it is important. I'm recording this. It's 10 a.m. East Coast on Thursday and just as I sat down, I had the script written out for the show. I had all, all my notes. We had a bit of news in the National Football League. Adam Schefter tweeting out that it is official. Deshaun Watson has requested a trade from the Houston Texans. And he had actually turned in that request apparently a few weeks ago. Um, but the reason why it's probably coming out right now is yesterday the Texans announced they had finally reached a decision on their new head coach, David Culley assistant head coach slash wide receiver coach slash passing game coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. And the thought that some people had in and around Houston and around the Texans was Cully and Watson had spent some time together at the Pro Bowl. Um, Apparently Watson and Cully really hit it off. And so there was a thought that, look, this might be the olive branch that you could extend to Deshaun Watson and say, look, you know, we're hiring somebody that you like. We're hiring somebody that you think highly of. Um, Please don't request a trade. Well, apparently this move by the Texans to hire David Culley has not changed the organization's thinking. They are, I mean, excuse me, it has not changed Deshaun Watson's thinking. He is moving ahead with the request for a trade. So we will see where he ends up. 
As I said weeks ago, when this news first kind of broke that Watson was looking for a way out of Houston, every team save for like five should be calling about Deshaun Watson. And I think the New England Patriots should be on that list. The problem is when you have the chance to acquire an elite quarterback like Deshaun Watson is, the price is going to get bid up. It's kind of the opposite of what's happening with GameStop right now, but we don't need to go there. Well, maybe it is a way. I don't know. I'm still learning about all that stuff. Miami can make a great offer. The Jets can make a great offer. The Jags can make a great offer. Like There are teams with more draft capital and more to offer than the New England Patriots. Um, so while I do believe that New England should be calling and putting a great offer together, it's going to be hard to top, say, the third pick in the draft in Tua. It is what it is. So that might leave the, the the Patriots going in a different direction to quarterback. And could that be somebody that's down in Mobile right now? A lot of people have made the connection between Alabama quarterback Mac Jones, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, and the New England Patriots. And a lot of people have probably studied Mac Jones and seen some similarities uh, to quarterbacks of years past that have played for the New England Patriots and think, it, you know, maybe this could be the guy. Now, the first day of senior bowl practices, as I've said, is a baseline day, particularly with the quarterbacks. You just want to get a feel for what they do well, where they're at right now, and then see how they improve over the course of the week. And if NFL teams, such as the New England Patriots, subscribe to that same point of view, then Wednesday was probably a very good day for Mac Jones. Jones looked confident. He looked decisive. He was a much better quarterback on film. Um, than I saw Tuesday. He had a number of great throws throughout the day. Uh, he led a scoring drive in an end-of-game team drill scenario type situation where he looked, again, decisive, confident, made great reads, great throws, was reading coverage, seemed completely in command of the moment. And then later in team, he had a number of great throws. He had a great throw on a corner route, which I long maintain is the toughest route to throw in all of football. Lewis Riddick, among others, said that this was a tremendous day for Mac Jones. And so if you look at Wednesday as perhaps being the most critical day of the entire Senior Bowl week, Mac Jones went out and did his job on Wednesday. Why is it the most critical day? Well, if Tuesday is baseline day, Wednesday is the first chance to see if they've taken any steps forward. You've also put the pads on for the first time. And oh, by the way, unless something has changed this year, Wednesday is usually the last day most people are in town. You know, little secret about Senior Bowl week, most people bail Thursday morning. You know, you go to practice on Thursday, you usually have just a handful, a smattering of people there. Teams pull up stakes and leave. A lot of media pulls up stakes and leaves. You know, that's why a lot of people, myself, Matt Waldman and others, love Thursday because it's smaller, intimate. Um, there's not as many people like, you know, coming up to you, talking to you, all of which is great. You know, it still blows my mind that people want to come and shake my hand. But still, it gives you a time to really sort of on Thursday, just do some work. Um, but with most people leaving after Wednesday, if you're a player, you really want to put on a show Wednesday. And that's exactly what Mac Jones did. Now, I still have reservations about Mac Jones. I still think there are some limitations to his game. I think there are some things that concern me about him from a handle and pressure standpoint. 
And yes, you have to wonder how is he going to handle life in the NFL when he doesn't have two first-round picks to throw to at the two wide receiver spots. When he doesn't have a, well, I guess in New England's case, he might have a first-round pick to turn and hand the ball off to. But he had such talent around him in Alabama. And so that's why I thought that the Senior Bowl week was going to be a great barometer for where he is as a prospect, and he had himself a fantastic game. Somebody that perhaps slipped up a bit, uh, Jamie Newman, um, had two bad interceptions late in the day during his team's practice session, committed the Cardinal sin, throwing late over the middle into coverage. Both of those plays get picked, and they're almost on back-to-back throws. And so you wonder about, is he going to learn from mistakes? So I'm very curious to see how he looks on film Thursday and then into the game on Saturday. Um, so that's some thoughts on quarterback stuff. Up next, we're going to talk two wide receivers in particular and revisit perhaps a discussion from last draft cycle. That's ahead here in episode 169 of The Sco Show. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snackin'. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 169 of The Sco Show. And I referenced earlier that we were going to talk about two wide receivers in this portion of the show and have perhaps a throwback conversation to last draft cycle. And... The reason why I think we're going to have that sort of throwback conversation is because, well, of these two receivers in particular, Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan, Kay Johnson from South Dakota State. Because on film, these two guys might be, if not the two best receivers down there, they're in that conversation. Both of these guys have consistently separated from man coverage in team drills, in one-on-one drills, they've been explosive, they've been dangerous in the downfield passing game. Both of them show tremendous technique at running routes. A great example, Kay Johnson had an outbreaking route, a deep corner route. Uh, Brad Kelly, uh, who coached the wide receiver position, played wide receiver, knows the wide receiver position. He had a great you know, quick mini breakdown on Twitter of how he first... He, Brad called it like showed him the shoulder blade on the break. Um, it was a full body route where he used his eyes to sell the cut to the inside before breaking out to the corner. Um, Eskridge has been incredible as well on, on his routes, on his releases, even when facing press aligned defenders. Johnson had perhaps the play of Wednesday when he ran a vertical route, beat a press defender, 
that press defender was actually holding Johnson's right arm. It was a route up the left sideline. No matter. Johnson extends the left arm, one-handed catch, touchdown. While drawing what would have been a flag. The question becomes, though, what's the value in these two players? Because both of these guys are probably slot receivers only. You know, you look at their height, you look at their weight, you look at their measurables. These guys are probably slots in the National Football League. And it reminds me of a conversation that was had last year about Justin Jefferson. The book on Jefferson was, look, he had a fantastic 2019 season. LSU wins a national championship. Put up huge numbers with Joe Burrow. But they used him like 93% of the time out of the slot. And where is the value in a slot receiver only in the first round. And just generically speaking, let me remind you that there is an argument to be made that playing slot receiver is easier. You have that two-way go off the line. You can go inside, you can go outside, it doesn't matter. If you're an X receiver that's aligned on the numbers or outside the numbers all the time, you know you can get driven out of bounds off the press and you're dead. You have to have the ability to win at the line of scrimmage. You know, if you're a slot receiver and you're running, say, a route where you want to release inside and then break to the outside, but they take that away from you, okay, well, you've got space to operate. You can adjust on the fly. You don't have that space on the boundary, which is why players that have shown a consistent ability to win on the outside, to beat press coverage, to win in those one-way go, must-outside-release kind of moments, because that's in playbooks. You pull up an Eagles playbook, a Patriots playbook, any playbook, you will see some notations on routes that say MOR, must outside released. Well, if they're taking that away from you, you've got to find a way. So that's why there's value in players that can do that above players that are just slot receivers only. Now, astute listeners will remember that there were some that went to bat for Jefferson and said, no, 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 no. Look at his film, particularly the year before when they were in a different offense and he was working on the boundary. He can be press coverage. He's done it before. You know, so so don't overthink this. Um, the Minnesota Vikings did not overthink it. And I think they're happy they did not overthink it. Watch that video of when the Eagles went with Jalen Ragor and they knew they had Justin Jefferson. That group, head coach, Rick Spielman, the general manager, they were overjoyed at that moment. Overjoyed that they were going to get a chance to draft Justin Jefferson. So that brings us to these two guys, Johnson and Eskridge. I haven't revisited, you know, John, you know, Kay Johnson's South Dakota tape yet. I'm going to. But I will say that after seeing some of the discussion around Eskridge, particularly when Tom McShay said this guy's in contention for a first-round pick, and then seeing some immediate pushback on a slot receiver from the MAC in the first round, really, I started to look at some of his film. And you do find, you do find examples of him beating press coverage. When I wrote my recap piece for USA Today Touchdown Wire about my film observations from day two, I clipped one of them. It's a moment against Toledo where he gets the jam. He still gets the inside release on a slant route, wins the route, makes the catch first down. 
Now, it's one example against Toledo. It's not like Justin Jefferson, who was doing it against guys that played for Alabama and Miami. But it's something. Do I think ultimately that Eskridge is going to play himself into the first round? I don't know. And I certainly don't think that Cade's going to get there. But as we start to have this conversation about the value of these two players, sort of at a macro sense, the big picture sense, if you can go back to their film and find examples of them beating press coverage, you will feel much more comfortable with them being perhaps a Z. I don't think either of these guys are going to be an X. They're not the big-bodied, big-framed, ball-winner types, although they both were very good at the catch point in Mobile on film. Wednesday, and even back to Tuesday. But if you can have that confidence, they can be a Z in a, you know, sort of role how the Vikings use Jefferson or how the Patriots use their Z receivers. Sometimes they're interchangeable with slot receivers. You might find value in that. Again, the question, not what they can't do, but what they can do. And so I think that's the conversation that has to be had about these two players going forward. You know, and I'm certainly not here saying definitively that these guys are, you know, being undervalued. Um, but I think this is a prime example of what some guys have been able to do down in Mobile both this year and in years past. And then revisiting the film, getting a flavor of what they are, and then seeing where they really stack up on your board. So those are my thoughts on those guys. I, I would, you know, if you can get your hands on, believe me, everybody under the sun is looking for all 22 of Western Michigan and South Dakota State right now. If I get my hands on some, I will be sure to pass it along. Now, of course, since this is a Patriot show, I do just want to say, is a slot slash Z type receiver a need for this team? And it's probably not near the top. You know, a lot of people are probably looking at this wide receiver group right now and saying, you know, I, I'd be much happier if they found an X type. That's a rare breed study in two days of film from Mobile. I'm not sure that that player is down at Mobile. That player might be in this draft. Um, maybe you look at Jamar Chase. Perhaps he can be an X. Even he might be more of a Z. But you have to look at what this roster has on it right now. Now, guys like Nikhil Harry can potentially get there. And maybe if you draft one of these guys, you have a situation where Jacoby Myers can be more of your slot slash Z, and one of these guys can be a slot slash Z, and they can be interchangeable. We certainly have Julian Edelman to think about. Um, so I, I don't think that that position should be closed off. But there are more pressing needs, such as quarterback. Um, but I still think that these guys are worth a look. So that being said, some thoughts on them. Up next, pass catching running backs. Again, not a huge position of need, but it might be a position that they want to address. And if so, some guys have stood out down at Mobile. So some thoughts on them. That's ahead here in episode 169 of The Sco Show. Mark Schofield back with you here to close out episode 169 of the SCO show. And I mentioned at the end of the previous segment that we're going to talk pass catching running backs to close out this episode. And the idea that it might not be a huge position of need, but there is a need. Both Rex Burkhead and James White 
are free agents. Obviously, Rex Burkhead has had some injuries in the past. James White, um, obviously with the, the passing of his father, it was a tough season for him. But you're talking about a 29-year-old running back and a 31-year-old running back who fill similar, not identical, but similar roles. And you also wonder about, is the organization willing to bring both of these guys back? Or are they going to go in a different direction at that sort of third down, pass catching, multifaceted type running back? You know, when you look at Spot Track, for example, they've got a market value on James White that I don't want to say is cost prohibitive, especially given the fact that the Patriots have cap space, but they're saying three years, $9 million, average annual salary of about $3 million. Probably something the Patriots are willing to pay, but if you have to do that for both Burkhead and White, probably not going to pay both of these guys. So the door might be open to that sort of third down running back type of spot to get a younger guy to perhaps be in place for if and when one of these guys decides to move on or you know you worry about injuries and things like that and there are four players on the national roster that I think you should do some work on the first is an interesting player and that's Demetric Felton from UCLA who was used as a running back by Chip Kelly but he has been running routes exclusively as a wide receiver this week and might be one of the best route runners down there along with the two guys I mentioned and some of the guys that I've mentioned in earlier shows this week. Now, he, again, has a running back size to him. I think he measured in around 5'8", maybe 5'9", 190. That's more running back build than wide receiver build. But his routes have been crisp. They've been technically sound. Benjamin Solak tweeted out a clip from uh, Billy M 91 who hosts the Panthers podcast, of him running a stop-and-go. Sells the deep comeback, really sinks the hips, then gets vertical, and beats Thomas Graham, um, who I talked about in yesterday's show as a standout on the defensive side, the cornerback from Oregon. What's interesting about Felton is because he was so talented and because they used him at running back, he didn't see a lot of special teams time, but that might be a way if he can show he can contribute on special teams. You know, Bill Belichick will love that. And so he's a name to watch. Michael Carter from North Carolina. I really focused in on uh, tight ends and running backs versus linebackers and safeties when I was watching film Wednesday night. And in that drill, it was Carter from UCLA, Ramondre Stevenson, who Matt Waldman keeps talking up from Oklahoma, and Virginia Tech running back, and why can't I see he's Khalil Herbert. Those three guys were so impressive in this drill. They won Every single road. There was one where Michael Carter just blew by Chad Surratt on a seam route. Just ran right by him. And Chad Surratt, Chad Surratt, Carter's former teammate at UCLA, is an athletic guy. But he Carter ran by him like he was standing still. Ramondre Stevenson had a route against Tough Borland. A flat route where Borland almost got juked into the, into the bleachers. Now, Borland has had a tough week, but that was an impressive route. Herbert ran a number of great routes, seam routes, where he blew by a linebacker from Ohio State, Justin Hillard. Um, Also had some routes to the flat, some angle routes. So all four of these players have been impressive. And Carter, too, has shown some juice 
carrying the football. And before this week started, I compared him to sort of a James White type of player. But all four of these guys, I think, should be on New England's radar. I think they should be on your radar as you start studying players and start studying running backs. Because I think, you know, between Harris and Sony Michelle, the Patriots aren't looking for that between the tackles guy. But with Burkhead and White in their situations, they might be looking for a running back in this kind of mold. And if so, these are some guys that you should definitely keep in mind. And so I just wanted to mention them, um, put them on your collective radar as you start doing your draft prep and your draft work. Will they draft these guys? Maybe, maybe not. But I would like one of them. I'll just say that. So that will do it for today. I will be back tomorrow um, wrapping up uh, Senior Bowl week. Um, Again, not down there. It's a bit sad. um, But we still get the film. And as they say, the eye in the sky never lies. That will do it for today. I will be back tomorrow with episode 170 of the SCO Show. Until then, friends, stay safe. Wash your hands. And when you do, sing along. Bless those Patriots' reigns. Down in Foxborough.